And we are back on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex there. And Ben, before we get started, we've got a great new sponsor on the Boots on the Ground pod. And you know that I love betting my friends on just about anything. Who's right on something? Who can do something better? I especially love betting sports. Cut allows me to do all of that. The Cut app is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 40-plus states. Cut has customizable odds, tracking capabilities, and an entire social network with group chats, user profiles, and rewards. All payments, no need for Venmo. Ben, what should we bet on? I got an idea. How about we bet on who says um first on this episode of the podcast? Um, I like it. Use our promo code BLEAVEWAKE for a 10% welcome deposit bonus. Don't forget that promo code BLEAVEWAKE. Cut. Put your money where your mouth is. Well, Ben, moving on to the the business portion of this podcast, especially as it pertains to Wake Forest basketball, makes me think about something that I, I talked a lot about with this team throughout the season, and it's never too high, never too low. And Wake Forest has dealt with the never too high and the never too low this week, for sure. We talked about it on our previous podcast, the win over Pitt, but in terms of the last two, your never too high is finally getting that marquee win you finally beat duke you get a quad 1a victory one that leaps you into the ncaa tournament field makes you feel pretty comfortable it's something that the committee cannot take away from you there's your high and then a few days later you travel to south bend and blow another halftime lead to notre dame which is not a great team I think they're a lot better than the record says they are, but Notre Dame is a tough loss to swallow. And so there's your never too high, never too low. You go from beating Duke to losing to Notre Dame on the road. I wouldn't say Wake Forest is exactly where they started. Um, I think that that Duke win is going to carry more weight than the Notre Dame loss will, as long as it stays a quad two loss. But Wake Forest just made their road to the NCAA tournament a little bit harder than it needed to be on Tuesday night, Ben. After that Duke game, which, by the way, was one of the better college basketball games I've seen in person, Hunter Salas put on one of the better individual performances I've ever seen in a game of that magnitude. 11 of 13 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3 for him. Just a truly masterful masterful performance in the easily the biggest game of his Wake Forest career to this point. So that was just a fantastic game to be able to watch in person. Essex, the scenes on campus and around Winston-Salem after the game were chaotic. It was a win that the program had been waiting for for anywhere from five to seven years. And then you immediately follow it up with a great offensive first half against Notre Dame. You go 17 of 29 from the field in that first half, shooting the ball really well. Some lapses on defense, Marcus Burton kind of gets going, but all told at halftime, you feel pretty good or at least I did when I was watching that game. I felt good about Wake Forest's chances to win. And then in the second half, Wake Forest just plays like a different team. They just go completely cold from the field. They shoot 8 of 30 in the second half. Hunter Salas really never finds his stride, has a, has a tough game, 2 of 11 from the field. And then Marcus Burton gets all the way up to 31 points. And Wake falls short in a a spot where a lot of people are saying that they couldn't have afforded to fall short in. As it stands, the metrics punishment from that loss isn't as severe as 
one might have thought after the game. Wake Forest is still in a very good position to make the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, like you said, Essex, this is an enormously frustrating loss for this team. Because I agree with you. I think Micah Shrewsbury is a fantastic coach, and he's going to lead a lot of very good Notre Dame teams in his time in the ACC. But all the same, Wake Forest is the much more talented team. This was a game you had to have. You were leading at halftime. And Wake Forest's struggles on the road really just continue. They play like such a different team when they're not at the Joel. And it was frustrating. You couldn't get your bench players going the way that you wanted to. Parker Fredrickson wasn't efficient in the way that he was efficient. Demari Monsanto struggled with foul trouble. Matthew Marsh's minutes off the bench weren't as good as you would have hoped for. And then, like I said, not having your go-to guy, Hunter Salas, really hurt this team down the stretch. So, yeah, just a true whiplash of a week of a couple of games for Wake Forest. It's like when you crest that hill of the roller coaster and then sort of plummet all the way back down. The thing about that is there's the chance to level out. You've got another really important game coming up in Blacksburg on Saturday, and we'll get into that as well. But truly just kind of a baffling back-to-back stretch of games for Wake Forest. That 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 Notre Dame game, like I just don't I don't know what the answer is on the road anymore for Wake Forest. Because I don't know whether it's it's fatigue. I mean, because it's it's a second half problem. It, it's what it is. I mean, it's almost like you just know it's coming. Wake Forest was perfectly fine in that first half. It, a five point lead isn't great. I mean, I think Wake Forest had a chance to to kick that up to double digits. If I recall, they had a good shot to take it to eight at the half as opposed to five, and it just Wake Wake didn't finish the half particularly well. But when you look at the statistics. 58.6% from the field, 38.5% from three. I mean, Cam Hildreth had actually a, a hell of a first half. He had 13 points. Boopy Miller had 11. That's it's not a big concern. That's that the Wake's Forest first half. You look at that and, and you think, okay, they're going to take care of business here, which is what Wake needed to do. They needed to take care of business. And then you flip over to the second half. Notre Dame did not heat it up by any no. means whatsoever. They were 30% from the field. 14% from three. They hit two threes in the second half. One of them just happened to be a really important one. But Wake Forest shot 26% from the field, 20% from three. You have five five turnovers, which isn't horrible, but some of them were just not good, not good at all. Uh, and, and it just felt like every time that Wake Forest needed a shot to go, they couldn't, they just couldn't get it. In the second half, it was... Notre Dame making runs on Wake Forest just over and over again. I mean, in, in the first few minutes, you have a 7-0 run, which takes it from a nine-point, very comfortable Wake Forest lead. You f- at the 18-minute mark, Wake Forest leads by nine. That's when you start to feel pretty good. It's like you lay a few more points on here, and you think the Deeks are, are going to be able to find a way to coast to the finish line. Then Notre Dame just starts going nuts on offense for a little bit, seven straight points. Wake Forest gets a bucket, then five more straight Notre Dame points, then four more Notre Dame points. It was just bang, bang, bang. It was, I'm going to do the math here quickly. It was a 16 to four, uh, 16 to four run for Notre Dame in a 10 minute stretch. And that's how you go from winning by nine to trailing by three for Wake Forest. And it just happens in a 10 minute snap. And part of it is just because the shooting doesn't follow Wake Forest on the road. It doesn't travel. And it's funny because 
in this game, I didn't think it was the shot quality. Like I thought Wake Forest was actually taking good shots. They were making good selections for the most part, but they just weren't going. Like these shots just were not going in. And it, it's incredibly frustrating to watch. It felt like Wake Forest wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong. They just weren't making the shots. And so that's that's part of the thing that just makes this tough is I don't know how you fix what happened in, in that loss. I mean, some of it is I would have liked to see Wake go to the inside a little bit more. That didn't happen. But at the end of the day, I just don't know. You can point to other games where Wake the the team did things that just weren't right. This one, I just, I just don't, I just don't know. You just didn't make shots, and that's that happens. And it's the last game you wanted it to happen in. Yeah, you meant you bring up a couple of good points there. Easily, I think the most frustrating part about it is, is it's not like Notre Dame was hitting shots consistently. There was about a five minute period stretch in that second half where I was just watching some atrocious basketball. Just really bad basketball from both sides. Both sides just missing open shots. Nobody able to find the answer. There were so many opportunities for Wake to just take control of the game, put it away. They just played to their identity the way that they had been playing to their identity all season. And at this point for Wake Forest, it's kind of like you're looking into this familiar abyss of leading at the half on the road. Led at the half at NC State, lost. Led at the half at Pitt by 10, lost. Led at the half... At Carolina, that was only a one-point lead, and Carolina is one of the best teams in the country. But then you go on to lose by 25 points or whatever the margin of victory was in that game. So Wake Forest has a real second-half problem on the road. We're coming to the stretch run of the season. The trend has more than exposed itself at this point, and it's really come, come back to bite Wake Forest in some key spots. And this is a win. I said before the game on Twitter, I said, Notre Dame is going to try to drag you down into the mud They don't necessarily have the most talented team in the world. Micah Shrewsbury is a good enough coach to know that his team has the ability to win ugly. That is exactly what they did against Wake Forest. Wake Forest very much so played down to the level of their competition. Wake Forest just needs to be able to rise above those awkward, weird road settings. The Notre Dame arena, I'm sure there was almost no energy, but even so, you just have to find a way to win that game if you're going to be an NCAA tournament team. And you absolutely still have the ability to do that. You have another great road opportunity coming up on Saturday, but that's a game that you just have to take care of business in. It's the definition of a take care of business game for for a Wake Forest team who's top four in the ACC and especially gathered so much national attention after that win over Duke. So really just just a frustrating performance for all outlets. They're just Wake Forest just was not making winning plays. They didn't look like themselves. Hunter Salas had a shot on the baseline in one of the last possessions of the game. Good open look. Couldn't have been more than 10 feet. Just left it short. I mean, that was just the kind of half that it was for Wake Forest. I agree with you. I don't think they were taking bad shots. I actually thought they got a lot of good shots within the flow of their offense. Just nobody could make anything. And late in the game, the only place that they found success really was going to Efton Reed or Andrew Carr on the inside. And I agree with you. I didn't see quite enough of that. I think you needed to work a little bit harder to get those guys the ball so you can just restore some flow to your offense, if nothing else. But yeah, just really kind of a a baffling second half collapse for Wake Forest against Notre Dame. Just a few more things I want to point out on that loss. I, I really like the point that you bring up about that game kind of being a drag in the mud. 
I mean, everyone, everyone knew it, it didn't take a genius to say that that was a trap game that had trap game written all over it. Um, I sure, I, I surely think most people knew that going in. And it did feel like the only way Notre Dame was going to win was to drag Wake Forest into the mud and make them play their kind of game. And in the first half, I felt like Wake Forest was making it their game. I mean, Notre Dame is a really slow basketball team. They are a defensively efficient team and not a great offensive team. They performed well in the first half. Notre Dame did offensively, but at the same time, Wake Forest was playing their game in the sense that that was a much faster first half than it was in the second Wake scored 43 points in the first half. They scored 22 in the second half. So nearly doubled up their second uh, second half point total in the first. It was Wake Forest kind of basketball game in the first half. And then in the second, Notre Dame was able to just get into that defensive, you know, outlook of a game where it doesn't matter if you're shooting what the Irish shot on offense in the second half. Again, they shot. 30% from the field in the second half, but that didn't matter because they were defending Wake Forest relatively well. They were playing their kind of basketball. And when Wake Forest, the only way you can beat that is by making the shots when they're there. They were there, just the Deeks weren't hitting them. And it felt like there were the open shots, right? I don't want to belabor that. But also, it just felt like there was no confidence. And that's what kind of threw me. I don't know if it was the short turnaround from you know, a, a crazy win against Duke on Saturday to then having to go fly up to South Bend, Indiana on Monday or what, whatever it is. But it just felt like there was no juice in the second half. And I mean, there was a couple things like just thinking about it, like there was, a, you know, not a huge turnover count. Wake Forest finished the game with 12, but Notre Dame was able to get seven points off the turnover. Or rather, that was Wake Forest that got seven points off the turnover. Notre Dame got 13 points off turnovers. They had six second-chance points. Just those little things like that. For me, mostly, it's the points off the turnovers. 12 Wake Forest turnovers isn't a ton, but getting 13 points off that for Notre Dame just feels like a big shift. In the first half, Efton Reed did a really good job at limiting fouls, and then if I recall, it was like three fouls in four minutes early in the second half, just bang, bang, bang. And that completely changed, I think, what Wake Forest wanted to do. Efton was one of two players. You've heard this before in Durham. Efton was one of two Wake Forest players with a positive plus minus point differential. And honestly, the guy who really was even better than him in that department, and I would argue was probably the best player for Wake Forest against the Irish, was Cam Hildreth. Cam Hildreth was plus nine. Efton was plus three. And unfortunately for him, because I really love his game, Parker Fredrickson was minus 15. And some of that is covering some really dynamic guards, covering Marcus Burton. That kid is really, really good. It's but really it just good. felt like Wake Forest had no juice behind them, especially in the second half. And they they didn't have a guy who just took over. I, I'm not going to speculate on, you know, I'm sure the effort was there. Absolutely. It's a Steve Forbes coach basketball team. The effort's going to be there. But it just felt like there wasn't anyone who just grabbed the ball and said, like, it's it's time to go. And usually that feels like that's Hunter Salas. And I just didn't get that, just didn't get that vibe. And I get that you can have off shooting nights. I mean, the kids scored 29 points on Saturday. Um, you can have off shooting nights. I get it. But it just felt like no one was ready to take the 
the reins of the game for Wake Forest. And once the shots weren't going, then you just start staring into this abyss where you're like, how are you going to win this basketball game? And the the ways that Wake Forest could have won it, I it, it just didn't happen. The turnovers, the 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 rebounding, and the the to me getting the ball inside to make better shots because the outside sure as hell wasn't going. Yeah. The turnovers, while there weren't necessarily a ton of them, they were costly. So Hunter Salas dribbles it off his foot late in the game in a spot where Wake, I believe, had the ability to tie it. I think they were down two, and he dribbled it off his foot. Boopy Miller had a t- at least once in transition where kind of just got moving too fast and fell over, turned the ball over. Notre Dame went into the bonus very early on, shot a lot of free throws in this basketball game. They shot... 22 free throws and went 19 for 22. I mean, that in the end is also what cost Wake Forest the game because they couldn't score any other way than from the foul line. They didn't shoot any better noticeably than Wake Forest in the second half or in the first half. Wake just got into foul trouble, didn't play good, clean defense without fouling. I think Steve Forbes mentioned that after the game. He said, we didn't defend at a high enough level. That is the truth of the matter. Damari Monsanto got in foul trouble. It was just a surprising lack of discipline in that regard from the Wake Forest team. And the whistle was tight at points. I thought, you know, but that's that's going to happen. That's part of the game. You have to rise and overcome that. And Wake Forest just was not able to do that. And especially in the second half, was not able to play consistently high enough level basketball to win an ACC road game against another Dame team, which I agree with you. I think they're a little bit better than their record shows. And I think they had been playing better of late heading into that Wake Forest game. And yes, it was kind of a natural letdown spot after you have that massive program win in a short turnaround and a road game that's not a short trip. You know, you're going all the way up to Indiana. So this is one, though, that Wake Forest has no choice. You just have to wipe the slate clean, get the bad taste out of your mouth because you got to go do it in an even tougher environment come Saturday afternoon in Blacksburg. I 100% agree. That was going to be my next point. Just... Tying a bow on on Notre Dame, that point on the free throws, Marcus Burton shot 11 free throws, made all of them. So that 31 points is a really nice number. 11 of them came from the line. And Wake Forest shot 10 free. Marcus Burton made more free throws than Wake Forest shot all night. So I, I'm i not of the belief that a ref should – like it, like it's it's never going to be 50-50. And I think if you're refing to try and get it to 50-50, then you're refing the game wrong. But a little bit of a discrepancy there. But again, Wake, some of those fouls were just not the best moves from Wake Forest. Now, moving on, as, as you said, Ben, you got to wipe the slate clean. I 100% agree. You got to flush this basketball game. Like the fan base... The fan base included. I, I mean, the fan base lost their absolute minds uh, after that Notre Dame loss, and I understand it. But at the same time, you beat Duke on Saturday. You, you got a quad 1A win. Everything is still right there on the table. I think I used the term that the ball is still in Wake Forest court. Absolutely. Joe Lunardi, who has been, you know, every Wake Forest fan's best friend, I say that tongue-in-cheek all season, still has Wake Forest in his last four buys. He has them as the sixth last team in the tournament today. So take that what you will. Like, believe it or not, even more so than I expected, 
that loss did not really break Wake Forest in terms of metrics or in terms of bracketology outlook. Looking at the bracket matrix, and some of this still takes some updating, but Wake Forest right now is in 109 of 114 updated brackets. So it doesn't, that, that Notre Dame loss doesn't kill you, but it does emphasize what you need to do going ahead. And part of this, and it's something that I've said before, Ben, is I think with Wake Forest metrics, just how good they are, it really muddies the water on just how much you need to do to stay in. Like my confidence in saying this is what Wake Forest needs to do in order to feel confident about going the NCAA tournament, I have no idea. Because in my mind, after that Notre Dame loss, I was like, okay, Wake Forest probably needs to go 3-0 and in these next three games. And then a bracketologist that I, I really, really like on social media, on Twitter, JBR Bracketology, tweets out that in reality, Wake Forest probably needs to go two and one to feel good. Like you can afford a loss. And so that was a little bit surprising to me, um, especially just like who's still on the schedule. I mean, I think I think losing to Georgia Tech at home is would probably hurt more than losing to Virginia Tech away or or Clemson at home. but. In my mind, I had it kind of like, okay, now Wake Forest needs to win out. And whether that's true or not, whether it's two and one, whether it's, you know, a combination or, or, or one of the two and then got to do a little something in the ACC tournament, I don't know. But it's all right there on the table for Wake Forest. I said that that the Deeks hold their tournament destiny in their hands in our last podcast. That That reality still remains the exact same. And so it does come down to Virginia Tech. I mean, it's it's always the next game. Steve Forbes is always like the, the most important game is the next game. The next game is the next game. And that is a team that Wake Forest crushed at home at the end of December, 86-63. I mean, absolutely decimated Virginia Tech. And they're a team that has been really just bizarre. I'm going to pull up their, their record of recent because you lose – away at North Carolina. And then you come back and you beat a Virginia team. That's right on the bubble. Absolutely. Just stomped them. 75 41 at home. Virginia tech beat Virginia. They beat them by 34 points. And then you lose the past two at Pitt and at Syracuse. So you've lost three of the last four, but mixed in there, you have a 30 point victory over Virginia. It's really hard to, figure out what the heck is going on in Blacksburg. And then you combine that with the fact that Wake Forest beat this team by 23 points earlier in the season. But you have to acknowledge the fact that Wake Forest is a, is a team on the road that you cannot trust right now. And so you just look at this game and you're like, God, who, who is going to win this game? I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. Virginia Tech is also a terrible team on the road. I think they've lost nine games on the road this year. Not good. What the Notre Dame loss did for Wake Forest is that it just put such a higher premium on Saturday's game, at least what I think. I have no idea what Wake Forest needs to do in order to make it into the NCAA tournament. In my opinion, if they go 3-0 and these last three, I think they're fine. And I think as long as you don't put up an atrocious performance somehow and in the ACC tournament I think you're fine I think it's locked I think three and oh you're locked because that means you're going 
to be a top four in the yeah, you're going to be tournament. you're right you're right you're going to be a double fi- high. quarterfinal loss is not going to kill you it, like t- and you'll be playing learned, a good team in that quarter yeah we've, we've learned in, in a conference tournament that aside from like if you're going to lose to a team like boston college and wake forest was probably out anyways um but like the conference tournament does not really impact you. Just look at Texas A&M, what, two years ago when they went to the SEC championship game and then were inexplicably left out of the tournament. Like it doesn't seem like conference tournaments do a lot. So I, I will say, I think 3-0, you lock it in. Wake Force is going to the NCAA tournament. If that doesn't happen, then I'll come back at this podcast and say, you idiot. But I think 3-0 is going to get you there. 2-1 and one is where things are going to get a little bit shaky. But yeah, just just put that out there. But I 100 percent agree with you, Ben. I still look at this Virginia Tech game and I think just in the context of these final three games, I wouldn't put it as a must win, but it just feels like one where you're like it's a little bit of put up or shut up right now for Wake Forest. Like you just got sometimes you just got to go win a basketball game and you got to go win a basketball game on the road. The, 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 The tournament committee. Lucas Harkins, the bracketologist from Heat, uh, Heat Check College Basketball, said this what on our last podcast that bracketologists are going to look at team sheets and they're always looking for something that stands out. Right now, you've got the positive metrics, which are standing out for Wake Forest, and then a borderline abysmal road record. So if you can at least prove that you can go get yourself a quad one win at the road, on the road at Virginia Tech, then maybe that'll even some of that out. And I just think it's a mentality going into these last three games like, you just don't want to be clawing for your life. Wake did a great job fighting for its life in its last two home games at the Joel, but I don't think you want to go to these last two home games at the Joel of the, the conference season fighting for your life after losing to Virginia Tech and having to mess around and like really beat up on Georgia Tech and then beat a good Clemson team. I just don't think Wake Forest wants to be in that position right now. No, not at all. And when you look at Wake Forest's record, this season on the road, the games that they have won on the road. Can you like figure out one game or point to one game that was actually like a good road win? I mean, they beat Boston college on the road who is, has not ended up being necessarily a strong team this year. They beat Georgia tech on the road, who is a poor team this year. Wake forest is two and eight in true road games. They have one other win at a neutral site. I believe it's three and 10 total away from the Joel and the two games they've won are against the bottom half to bottom quarter of the ACC. So they haven't won a game this year where you look at it away from the Joel and you look at it and say, this is a really good win away from home. They've only won games that they were expected to win out of their own building and win by somewhat of a decent margin. I think that Boston college game was more of a toss up when it happened close to the beginning of the year. But you look at the games they could have and should have won on the road. I won't count Carolina in that, but Wake should have beat Pitt on the road. Wake should have beat NC State on the road. Had a million turnovers against Florida State on the road. So many spots. And then you have the end of that Virginia game as well, where you could have gotten that marquee win. Wake has not been able to step up in that moment yet. And give this team all the credit in the world for that win over Duke. That was a spectacular college basketball game, and they rose to the occasion in every way. Duke played a fantastic basketball game themselves and Wake answered the call, rose above, did all the right things that they've done at home all year. The time has come and time is running out for the opportunity to do that on the road. This is the last opportunity to do that. 
and you've had chances this to do is, it all this year. Is la- this is Wake Forest's last road game of the season. Exactly, last chance. Is, um, oh. Unless you go to the unless you go to the NIT, it Which, is the last road game of the season. You close with two homes, and then your neutral site in DC and Wake Forest best hope they're playing neutral site games in March because that means they made the NCAA tournament. So last yes. road game of the season is Virginia Tech. Last it, chance. It, it put up or shut up. It's you're right. You're right. Like, and I was thinking about that earlier today. Like you look at some of these road games and you're like, God, if Wake Forest just did a little bit more or just, it would not be a bubble conversation. This is a team where it should be a seeding conversation. Like this, there's no debating the quality of this basketball team. That's what the metrics are saying. The metrics are saying this is a tournament team by a large margin, but it's just some of these, it's just, it's right there in front of you. And it's just this road. It's this, this damn road. Um, and so Virginia tech, it's, it's not a must win in my book, but I think it's, you just got You got to go and claim one for yourself. Like way force went and claimed their bid toward the NCAA tournament with that win over Duke. It's gotta be that same mentality. You got to go out and snatch one. And, and that's what good teams do to get to the NCAA tournament. That's what a team like wake Forest, a program that has seen some serious lows in the past decade, some real dark times. Um, in order to get yourself over this this mountaintop that has been seemingly elusive for a while for Wake Forest, got to go snatch one with a game like Virginia Tech. Absolutely, that you could go two and one. I'm absolutely certain that nobody in the program, nobody in the fan base, wants to have even any of that left up to chance come Selection Sunday. You want to have your resume speak for itself. And yes, the the Wake Forest Road resume, it's not going to magically become stellar with one win at Virginia Tech. But you're one of the best home teams in the country, and you have fantastic metrics. So if you go get this road win, and then you take care of business at home the way you've been taking care of business all year, I don't think that you give the committee much of a choice other than to put you in the field to be an NCAA tournament team. That's my opinion on it. And I could be very much wrong. I'm certainly not a bracketologist. But just having watched this team all year and having watched how the metrics look at this team, how they favor this team, it's a turn it's a team that absolutely should be playing in March and should be playing in March Madness and could have some fun and turn some heads in March Madness if they get there. But there is still work to be done. Steve Forbes says it all the time. There is still work to be done. He, I think he said, I've never once said whether we're in or out. I've always just said that there's mo- there's more work to do. And that is still the case for Wake Forest. These, This is the precipice of the season. And for Steve Forbes, this is the precipice of getting this team back where it needs to be, back where it should be, and getting this program, the NCAA tournament berth, that they need, deserve, want but you just have to take care of business. And I agree. I think Wake just has to go out and snatch this one on the road. Yeah. It's you you can't let the tournament screw you over in terms of the tournament committee, like Wake Forest. I think you got to go into selection Sunday with as, as few questions as can can be asked as possible. Like if you go into selection Sunday, 17, Oh, at home and you get that quad one win on the road against Virginia tech, regardless of what happens in DC, I think, I think things are going to be pretty okay. Um, 
And Wake Forest is a team. I firmly, I believed this so early in the season, and I feel the same way now. You get to the NCAA tournament, and I think Wake Forest is a team that can push. Like, I think they can get to that second weekend. I think Wake Forest can mess around and beat teams that, that'll have a better seed than them. Like, I think that, I don't know how deep that run would look like, but I know when Wake Forest is playing at their best, they're a team that can make a run, but they got to make it. Like, Ben, if we sit on this podcast in a few weeks and talk about what a damn shame it is that Wake Forest didn't make the NCAA tournament, it's going to really suck because this team, <laughs> it's going to suck. And it's going to suck for this fan base. It's going to suck for this team because they totally, they deserve it's it's I think it's, it's a two, it's a fork in the road there. That like this that crowd against that, Duke was the biggest crowd ever at the Joel ever. This fan base is ready. They're ready for this team to go back to the NCAA tournament. They are ready, but deserve in the context of these last three games, the way Wake Forest has played a lot of this season, they deserve to be in the NCAA tournament because they are a good basketball team. And in a lot of games, they play like it, but a team that deserves to make the NCAA tournament also just to come back to that has to go win games that NCAA tournaments teams should win. And to me, that's these last three games. Like they're all eminently winnable. They're eminently winnable. It's a fork in the road. Wake Forest has the ball in their own court, destiny in their hands. What do you do with it? Do you deserve to make the tournament or not? And I think that's going to be solved in the next week and a half. So in the words of Steve Forbes, after he, he talked about, he was in the Duke press conference and had a, a long conversation about bracketology and Joe Lunardi and a whole lot of other stuff. And then finally he stops and says, okay, let's talk about the game. Ben. Okay. Let's talk about Virginia tech. Virginia tech is a good shooting team. There's no other way around it. They are, they're a good shooting team. You look at, at Kempom right now, they're just outside of the top 100 in three point percentage. They are 51st in two point percentage. Um, but here's where I've, I've got a funky mindset in regards to Virginia tech. Their three point shooting numbers. Don't say they're actually that good at three point shooting. I think that is the best part of this basketball team. And I think at home, that's going to be the most dangerous part of Virginia tech. I think, I mean, I've, I've liked, I've loved watching Sean Padula and Hunter Couture play basketball since the 2022 ACC tournament in Brooklyn, when Virginia tech made that run and got the auto bid uh, by beating Duke in the, the conference championship game. Like those two guys, I loved watching them play. Then I love watching them play now. And both of those guys are three point machines. Padula is 34%. Couture is 42%. You have a guy like Tyler nickel who is a transfer from North Carolina shooting 40% from three Robbie Barron, who I believe is a transfer from Northwestern 30, about 33%. Like you've got three guys who can, who can kind of shoot the lights out from three point range and all of them. It's not, it's not like they've juiced the numbers by low three point attempts. And they're just, they've made a couple like all of them are over a hundred three point attempts. Couture 164, Padula 134, nickel 120. And the lowest three point percentage in that group is 34%. That's pretty good in my book. Like these guys can cook from behind the line. You've got a guy like Lynn Kidd who can shoot really, really well. Shoot being the operative term there can get buckets really well. He's a post player. He's a very athletic offensive forward. He's getting 65.6% of his buckets to go. Milajal Poteet 
who's another big for them, 65% of his shots. Couture's 47% from the field. Nickel, 44. Padula, 40. Barron's, 46. I mean, these guys are really good shooters. And that's the thing is like their offense, when they get going, they get going. In Winston, in December, it wasn't like they shot necessarily poorly. Um, You had a 46% field goal rate against the Deeks. The big issue for her, for the Hokies was they had 19 turnovers, but this is a team that can shoot really well. They can play good basketball. They haven't been, they played one good basketball game in their past few That Virginia game. I watched it and I still could not tell you what the hell happened in Blacksburg with the Cavaliers. Cause Virginia is a quality team. They, I think they're a tournament quality team, but you lose by 34 points. I mean, that's, that's inexplicable. Um, but then you had the the other three games are losses to North Carolina, Pitt, and Syracuse. So I don't know what what is going on with Virginia Tech right now. Um, but they've got a great crowd. They've got a, it's a tough place to go play a basketball game. They're a great shooting team. It, it, it's a it's just a funky game for Wake Forest. I don't really know how how else to to verbalize it, except for the fact that that Wake Forest just can't let a team beat them around with their offense because their shot making is really good. And that's, that's going to be wakes a great shooting team. They are not a great shooting team on the road and Virginia tech is a great shooting team. So how that clash occurs and who comes out on top, I think it's going to come down to shooting in this game. I agree. And there's no secret to me, at least that wake Forest is going to have to do something that they haven't really done all year on the road, which is play within their identity and play to a similar quality of basketball with which they've played at home against a quality team in a tough road environment. They have to match, maybe not be as efficient and as out of this world as they are at home, but they have to come close to that. Georgia Tech is not in the conversation, despite how well they played at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is not a top team in this conference. Boston College was a good road win for Wake Forest at the time. Boston College's season has not really panned out. But Wake Forest, I think this is a tough, a really tough matchup for Wake right now for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's really hard to beat any team twice in this conference, especially a team like Virginia Tech, which has a really difficult road environment. That said, I do think the pieces are absolutely there for Wake Forest to go and win this game. Essex, you you started to mention it. The things that Wake Forest did well against Virginia Tech when they just dominated that game at home and won by 23 points. They didn't let Lynn Kidd get going that well. He's a very efficient player. Only went 7 of 15 from the field. was a minus 11. Didn't let him have the big impact that he can have. And they did that by forcing a lot of turnovers, like you mentioned. I like what you said about Hunter Couture and Sean Padula because I really like watching those guys play too. They're a pair of veteran savvy guards that play very, very well off of each other. There just wasn't enough consistent offense from... Those guys against Mike Forrest, Abdullah just went two of eight. Hunter Couture had a pretty good game. Virginia Tech didn't shoot very well from from three. They went five of 16. And Wake Forest did a really good job in that game of getting to the foul line. Wake went 19 of 21 from the foul line. So they looked to get work the ball inside, play that physical brand of inside basketball that they were lacking at the end of the Notre Dame game. That said, Ken Palm has this game. I can tell Ken Palm doesn't really know what to do with this game either. Ken Palm has this as a toss-up. They have Wake Forest winning by one, which means... I think they have 76, 75 wake, which means it's a pick 'em in the eyes of the metrics, which I totally agree with at this point. I think it's a pick 'em. 
But at the same time, this Virginia Tech team is very, very dangerous at home. I mean, Wake played, Wake beat Virginia by a lot at home as well. They won by 19. Virginia Tech found an extra gear. They won by 34 points against a Tony Bennett team that is probably going to be an NCAA tournament team, I would think. I think they're that quality of team as well. I agree. But this is a da- this is a dangerous team at home. And for Wake Forest, you're still in the unfamiliar territory of having played a really strong wire-to-wire game against a team that is as quality as Virginia Tech is. So you got to go out and you just got to find that extra gear and you got to find that consistency that you have struggled to find on the road all season. That's a good point, Ben. I'm going to kind of sneak, just go ahead right into my keys to the game because I've been thinking about this for a while. And I feel like we're kind of at that stretch of the podcast anyways. Where Wake Forest won, and I'll I'll kick it over to you before I kind of finish this point. But the first place where I see Wake Forest won against Virginia Tech, and I think it is the biggest thing. I mean, when I was talking about this Virginia Tech team, it was the first thing I went to. It's the shooting. Wake held this team relatively in check. I mean, you score 63 points. That's not great, especially when your opponent's scoring 86. But in that first half, especially, Wake went into halftime with a 20-point lead. I mean, Virginia Tech scored 24 points in the first half. And a lot of it was holding your big-time shooters in check. Hunter Couture finished the game 5-7, at seven, sure. But he could never heat it up from the three-point line where he loves to shoot. Sean Padula finished 2-8. of eight. Wake Forest gave, I remember, Wake Forest gave him fits all day long. And Sean Padula is a really good basketball player. And they gave him fits all day. Lynn Kidd shot well, but can never let him just really kick it up a notch. And it was seven makes all from two point range. So 14 points is fine, but it's nothing great. So Wake Forest held the shooting of Virginia Tech in check. And you got to do the same thing in Blacksburg, especially if this this Wake Forest shooting on the road holds and Wake Forest doesn't have their best day shooting the basketball, then you've absolutely got to hold Virginia Tech to a certain level where they're not going to run you out of the gym with their shooting. And it it starts with Couture and Padula. If Virginia Tech's going to beat you, make Lynn Kidd go at Efton Reed and beat him. That's, That's my thing. Make Virginia Tech beat you on the inside because I don't think they can do that. In in Winston, I mean, 30 points, 30 other points were in the paint. So 30 out of 63. Like that's a that's a that's a healthy amount. But I think that's the the winning ticket for Wake Forest is you can't have Couture and Padula take you out of the game from the three point line. I think Afton Reed's a good defender. Andrew Carr's a good defender. Make Virginia Tech beat you on the inside. Don't let them get hot from the outside because their shots, if they get hot, they will kill you. And so that that's kind of where I'm at at the at the beginning. I'll kick it to you, Ben. But I just don't think you can, I don't think you can afford to let this team turn it into a track meet with the shooting when you're on the road and when it's this Wake Forest basketball team and and what how they've they've shown they can shoot on the road unless they completely flip the switch. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, Wake did such a good job of Wake very much had the mindset of these guys are good. They're gonna make some shots just don't let one guy go nuclear and beat you and that's exactly what happened against notre dame marcus burton scored 31 points wake did a really good job of not letting any one player have a super dominant performance and just keep getting torched by the same guy against 
Virginia Tech. My key for this one is I think you got to have your bench back if you're Wake Forest. I think it was an uncharacteristically bad bench performance at Notre Dame. Parker Fredrickson did not look like himself. I need a good game for Parker Fredrickson on Saturday. I need a more consistent game from Damari Monsanto. And I need better minutes from Matt Marsh when he comes in there to give Efton Reed a breather. I also need Efton Reed to play 30 minutes just the way he did against Notre Dame. But I think those supporting those supporting cast for Wake Forest did not play at the level that I'm accustomed to them seeing when they win big games. So I think that I think that's going to be a huge sticking point to this game on the road because Wake is not the deepest team in the world. They rely on their starting lineup a lot. That's no secret. But especially in these road spots, when some of the guys in the starting lineup have struggled more uncharacteristically, Hunter Salas against Notre Dame, case in point, goes 2 of 11 from the field. You need the guys on the bench to pick up that slack. Not to do anything crazy, but to get a big offensive rebound here and there, to get a steal here and there, to hit a three if you're Parker Fredrickson, to have those little moments where you come in and impact the game. I thought that was lacking for the most part against Notre Dame. I think you're absolutely going to need that in a big way against Virginia Tech. For me, it's also, you got to have, I think you got to have your your mojo back. Like Again, I said it, at Notre Dame, it just felt like Wake Forest lost their step in the second half against Notre Dame. Hunter Salas was a non-factor. Cam Hildreth, after a really solid first half, wasn't as good in the second. Boopy Miller had a good game, but made some mistakes. When you beat Virginia Tech in the Joel, you had Hunter Salas go for 20. Cam go for 14, Boopy go for 14. You had Andrew Carr go for 15, and you had Efton Reed go for 13. Every starter in double-digit points. Like, cooking all over the place. You just got to have that mojo. And I know Steve Forbes, like, I know Steve Forbes is a coach. Like, he He's going to try and get the, his guys to do this. But, but at a certain point, it falls on the players to take it upon themselves. Like, I think you just got to come into this game with utmost confidence in your ability to win basketball games because Wake Forest absolutely has the ability to win basketball games. So you got to have your best players put it on their back. Like Hunter Salas put Wake Forest on his back to beat Duke. That was an all-time performance that'll be talked about in Winston-Salem for years to come. Do it again. Like Hunter Salas is that kind of player. He's an ACC player of the year caliber player. It's going to go to RJ Davis, but Hunter Salas is an ACC player of the year caliber player. Got to put the team on your back. Cam Hildreth has been a lot better. I think Cam Hildreth is really starting to play within himself. I like what I'm seeing out of him. Continue that. Boopy Miller, confident shooting, especially on the jump spot. Same kind of deal. Andrew Carr has been the man on offense. Like Andrew Carr has been a lot better. And Efton Reed is that man in the paint who kind of gets everything going. I think Wake Forest can really get it going in the paint with Andrew and Efton. It's a whole team effort, but I feel like these guys just got to have a mentality. It's like, I'm not going to let this team lose this game. It's it's as simple as that. And I know it's more than just a mentality. You actually got to play the game, right? But it, I think it's part of it is a mentality of this team when you go on the road that you're going to take a game and you're not going to give it up. You need killer instinct. That's what you need. You need that edge. You need killer instinct to finish the games that you start. And Wake's been in so many spots this year where they haven't been able to do that. This is the time. This is the moment. No choice but to get it done. It's what an NCAA tournament team does, right? Like we talked about it earlier. Wake Forest has got to be some killers. Like they got to have that killer instinct and go in and beat a good basketball team on the road. 
It just does, it doesn't seem like there's an answer other than that. And they have the quality players to do that. So someone someone's got to make a decision that the kind of like the I'm him decision that clearly Hunter Salas made against Duke. Like it, it, I feel like someone's got to do that again. I don't know who it's going to be. I like it being Hunter Salas, but I'm not going to just restrict it to him. Like someone's got to decide that they're that guy. And it can be any of those five starters. Hell, it could be Parker. It could be Damari. Like someone's got to, someone's going to just, I feel like someone's going to decide that they're that guy for this game. If Wake Forest wins it. And then looking back at that Virginia tech win in December, it's I'm going back to something that I love from one of my favorite movies. It's Moneyball, And it's talking about winning in the aggregate. So it, and it, in the aggregate, in this case, in basketball, I'm kind of thinking more about the secondary statistics. Wake Forest forced 19 turnovers, 19 Virginia Tech turnovers, got 23 points off those turnovers, scored 18 second chance points because Wake Forest got 11 offensive rebounds and then scored 36 points in the paint. Those are all elite, elite numbers. And part of me, and this is so a when those statistics in the aggregate, I'm not going to sit here and ask you to force 19 turnovers because that's some of that is just what the other team is doing as opposed to what you are. No, Virginia tech didn't have a great game, but play sound defense, take advantage of these turnovers. The second chance points are great because you got 11 offensive rebounds. And a lot of that is Efton Reed. Hunter Salas had four offensive rebounds. I mean, I think these Virginia Tech bigs, they're good on offense, but they are vulnerable on defense. Like, I think I talked about it in the context of Notre Dame. Get it to the inside. I think this is a huge game to get it to the inside. I think Efton can cook. I think Andrew Carr can definitely cook. I've really liked Andrew Carr's game in the past few. Like, I think he is, he's been fantastic. And I think he, I refer to him as a glue guy. I think. Andrew is the glue guy for Wake Forest. Like, I think he is one of the most important players on the court because he kind of ties everything together. But kick it to the inside. I think you can win this game offensively in the paint. Wake Forest did it a lot against Virginia Tech in December, but they won all that stuff in the aggregate too. Like forcing turnovers, offensive rebounds, second chance points, getting out in transition, not cause, not having turnovers yourself, not getting into foul trouble. It's those secondary statistics, and I think Wake Forest, just as much as it's basketball is a simple game of scoring more points than the other team scores, I think there's other things that are just going on, and they were going on in the background against Virginia Tech that I think to win on the road, Wake Forest absolutely has to do. But again, kind of that, I guess, tertiary point to what I was discussing, get it to the inside. I think Efton's Efton's got a matchup here on Lynn Kidd. Lynn Kidd's a good offensive forward. He's not a good defensive forward. Get the ball to Efton. Get the ball to Andrew Carr. He's going to have a matchup too. I think Wake Forest can win this game on the inside. And then you can possibly kick that to the outside and hope your team can make some threes. I think that's your that's going to be your combination for, for Wake Forest to win this basketball game. I agree with you on both of those counts. I think that when Wake Forest plays well on the interior, I think it opens up so much for the rest of their offense. I think if they look early and often, for two talented scoring bigs in Andrew Carr, Efton Reed, and Andrew Carr's been playing great lately. I totally agree. It just opens up so much because those guys on the interior demand attention and then opens up three pointers and you're able to find your rhythm a little bit more. I agree with you. I don't think I don't think Wake's 
three-point shooting, I don't think they have to go out and shoot 60% from three to win this game. But it just can't be terrible in the way that it has been in some spots on the road this year. Wake Forest started, I think, 0 for 11 against Duke. I don't think you can have that happen and have a great chance to win this game. I think you just have to play to your identity. Maybe not even do anything outstanding, but I believe that Wake Forest is a better team than Virginia Tech. So just play like the better team than Virginia Tech. You don't have to be 20 points better. You just have to be one point better. That's really what it comes down to. Is You don't have to try to do anything that's outside yourself. You just have to find consistency throughout the course of this game. So that's what it's going to take. There can't be a massive drop-off from one period to the other. I don't think it's going to be very hard to overcome a massively slow start in this game. Wake Forest just has to play steady, play within themselves. I think they're a better team than Virginia Tech. I think that was that has been proven throughout the course of this season, and it was proven the other time that these two teams met. But you just got to be you on the road because so many times on the road, Wake has looked uncharacteristic in second halves. They've played outside their identity. They've done things they don't normally do. You just got to stay within yourself, I think, in this game to have the best opportunity to get out of here with a, a crucial win. It's not a must win, but it feels like it's one you got to have at the same time. Prediction time on the Boots on the Ground pod, 530 on Saturday, Wake Forest versus Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Ben, I'll, I'll kick it to you first. I'll let you take the, the first crack at this one. Yeah. Of course, this is one that I've been thinking about since the buzzer sounded against Notre Dame and how I was going to call Saturday's game and what I think is going to happen. There's a large part of me that wanted to pick, pick Wake Forest to win this game. I did want to, but at the same time, at every point this season where Wake has had the opportunity to get sort of a tide-turning road win, they haven't done it. So I, I can't personally in good conscience pick Wake, For Wake Forest to win this game. I think it's going to be close, but Wake Forest has found some really creative ways and painful ways to lose on the road. And you saw that against Notre Dame. You saw that against Pitt. You saw that against NC State. So as much as I think Wake Forest has a good chance to win this game, I can't predict that they will. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech in a close one, 75-71. I'm... I was in the same position as you. And we talked about this before a couple days ago. You didn't know what I was going to say. I was in the same mindset as you. It it almost felt like it would be irresponsible to pick Wake Forest on the road. I talked myself into a position where it's like, I've said it all the time. I'm not going to pick Wake Forest on the road until they can prove that they can do it. I still don't think they've proven they can do it. But somehow I've talked myself into a position where I think Wake Forest is going to win. <laughs> Part of it is Steve Forbes as a head coach. Part of it is the necessity in my mind of this win. Part of it is matchups too. I should have said this earlier. I think also Wake Forest just matchup wise. Notre Dame was not a good matchup for them. How they play basketball, the type of team that they are. I think Virginia Tech is a good matchup for Wake Forces if they play a good basketball game. And part of it just to me, it feels like Every game that Wake Forest needs to win, like it's almost like when you're on deadline day for a paper and you got to finally write the paper, Wake Forest has gotten it in before the deadline. I feel like this is one of those times. Like I just feel like it's either, again, put up or shut up. And so it's something about this team 
the quality of the players, the mentality that they have. I can't, I can't really put a justification to it, to be honest with you, but something in my mind tells me that Wake Forest is going to go into Blacksburg and win on Saturday. I don't know what it is. And I don't think it's going to be pretty. In fact, I think it's going to be really flipping ugly. But for some reason, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't think Virginia Tech's playing good basketball right now. Like if it were against a significantly better basketball team, I would feel like this is a much more irresponsible decision. But at some point, Wake Forest as a team has got to make a choice. We've said it before. I'll say it again. Got to make a choice. It just feels like this game is one of those choices. Do you want to make the NCAA tournament or do you want to go back to the NIT? It feels like this is, it's not the deciding factor, but for some reason it does feel like it is. And so I think Wake Forest is, is in a position where you're making that choice. And this just, this just does not feel like a team that should be not in the NCAA tournament. And so when I think about that, I think that they have to win this game. And so with Steve Forbes as your head coach, with Hunter Salas on your team, Andrew Carr, Boopy, Cam Hildreth, Afton Reed, find a way to win. And I think Wake Forest is going to do it in Blacksburg on Saturday. I'm going to go, it's going to be ugly. So I'm going to go 67 to 65, Wake Forest. That'll be all for us on the Boots on the Ground pod. Thank you for joining. It's a short turnaround, so we probably will not be back until after the Georgia Tech game on Tuesday. But there will certainly be a lot to talk about after Virginia Tech and after Georgia Tech to get ready for Clemson, the closing game of the ACC regular season conference schedule next Saturday. Again, thank you for joining. Alongside Ben Conroy, I've been Essex there. See you all soon.